it is so good to see you with us here at Waypoint Church this morning, whether you're watching with Church Online, on YouTube, or if you're here in the South Auditorium. It's just great to gather, isn't it? And to just take a moment out of our week to just stop, to spend some time just worshipping and seeing what God has to say to us. It's been great this week. Who's been really enjoying the weather? I've loved it and been out running, kayaking, catching up with people. I'm sure you've all been out doing lots of those kind of things as well. Been a big week this week as well. Kids are settled back into school, but it's been a big week for our uni students. Some of them have already gone, so we've got families adjusting to not having them in their homes and those students getting used to their new lives. And we've got others about to head off. And in a moment, we're going to pray uh, for those uni students as they go off. This morning, we're going to just be thinking about how we can influence those around us, how we can make a difference. So before we step into some worship and just learning together, let's pause and pray. Father, we just thank you. Thank you that we can be church. Thank you that we can be church gathered and we can be church in our own individual homes. We pray for those university students that have already gone off to university. Pray that you'll be with them. You'll be in them as they're building relationships and just settling into a new life. We pray for those families that are at home and are getting used to having empty bedrooms and just again adjusting to new life and we pray for those that are about to go off but for all of those uni students whether they're going for the first time or whether they've gone back we just pray that they will shine for you, that they will just live out what they believe, their, their faith in you and that they will just influence those around you. So just come now, come and be with us, open our hearts and our minds to what it is that you have for us in this time this morning. Amen. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So we're on to um, week two of our brand new series, The Jesus Way. I hope you're as excited about this as I am. We kicked it off last week um, looking at the first 12 verses of Matthew 5. We're going to move into, as we said, the passage today, verses 13 to 16. But last week, Mark kicked us off and looked at the, the Beatitudes part of the Sermon on the Mount, the blessed um, statements, if you like. And he helped us with three key words. Um, if you've not had a chance to listen to last week's sermon, check it out on Spotify iTunes, YouTube, however it is um, you engage. Uh, but those three words were um, blessing, sinking, and living. And I guess today I want us to kind of really get to grips with the living part of that. I think it's really significant for us to get our head around this today. But I also like setting a scene. I get a bit excited about it. So I want to set the scene, right? Because you've got Jesus and he's teaching his disciples. You know, he would have gone up the mountain, he would have sat down, they would have been sat down around him in a crowd was around them as well and he's teaching his disciples you know his ministry is growing really rapidly there's a lot of interest going on but I love the kind of it's a mirror of what happened in the Old Testament 
In the Old Testament, Moses, if you know Moses, goes up the mountain, up Mount Sinai, and he receives the Ten Commandments. And then he comes back down and, and, he, and he says to God's people, this is the new thing that God is doing. This is what it means now to follow God. Fast forward to Matthew, Jesus is doing the same. This is what it means to follow me. This is what it means to be a follower of Christ. It's a new thing for new followers of God. It's amazing, right? I love the symmetry, the parallel in that as well. And within the, within the crowd that was around him, the world that was looking in as Jesus was speaking to his disciples, you know, and all sorts of myriad and mixture of different types of people, from those that were uneducated, those that had been rejected by society, those that were, were perhaps ill, those that didn't have much authority or position in society. And so they would not normally have had this kind of access to a rabbi, to a teacher like Jesus. This is an incredible opportunity for them, right? And so Jesus moves from the first 12 verses about your character you know, into a place now where he's unpacking influence. And these people would have been like, we have no influence, look at us. Who is this guy that thinks that we can have influence? It's exciting, right? I hope you're excited. He's moving kind of the understanding of influence from who you are, your position, a Roman officer or a Pharisee, into what you do, that what you do is significant. And these, they would have been sat there thinking, I don't have any, how do I have influence, right? I don't have a position. He's saying you do have influence, and let me unpack that for you. And I just want to pause really quickly because I think often when we think of influence, like we get we kind of like get drawn towards it, don't we? A little bit. We're like, yeah, I want influence. I want power. I want to. I want to control. Kind of. I want gain and stuff. I want. I want to have like fortune or fame, whatever it might be. I want purpose and stuff. And I think we can kind of get quite selfish when we hear the, the understand, uh, influence, we become about us, but that's not the kind of influence that Jesus talked about. That is not the Jesus way. That's not what Jesus' influence talks about. It's not about that kind of self-influence stuff. And it, this kind of new way, this new kind of influence that you can have as Jesus followers demands a different style of living, right? It's no, no longer about just what you believe. It's no longer about what you've been taught. It's no longer about just this inward piety, this religious kind of understanding about your faith. Jesus is saying, do you know what? This is about outward action. This is about outward action now. It's not about a set of principles and values. This is about, it's not about looking religious, right? Pretending you're religious, pretending that you care and you have all the right words. This is about showing that you care. That's what it means to have real influence. And as we begin to align our character with those first 12 verses in Matthew 5, our effectiveness for influence begins to bubble up and change. I'm excited. I hope you're excited. So how does he do that? He takes two, back then anyway, two kind of really precious resources, salt and light, and he begins to unpack the significance of how those followers, the disciples around him, can be salt and light, that they are the salt of the earth, that they are the light of the earth as well. Like the world, and I just think, I think perhaps we take it for granted, salt and light now, don't we? A little bit. Sometimes on a Friday night, um, about half past nine ish, um, I'll get a knock on the door, and I'll get up on my sofa, and I'll hack it through the kitchen, and I kind of come out to my hallway. It's all dark, and I walk towards the front door, and I can see the window, and there's a silhouette of a person in the dark outside. So I turn the outside light on, open the door, and there stands. Annalise Rowland, right? If you don't know who Annalise Rowland is, she's um, a young person in our student work and she's awesome um, for loads of different reasons, but also she's awesome because she works at a fish and chip shop, right? So occasionally on a Friday night, she thinks, I'm going to bless Jim and Abby, I'm going to give them some free chips. So I get this kind of bag full of chips and 
kind of after I've kicked her out, no, after I've said thank you very much, had a little chat, and I'm like thinking I need to eat this food, I take the food, put it on the counter, open up the, the paper, and there is like a mound of like carbohydrate, potato heaven, and, uh, and a sausage, and curry sauce, all sorts of stuff as well. And then I go to my cupboard and I grab um, my, the salt, and I'm like, part the salt on, you know, sat there, lights fully blazed, and that kind of just having a chat, that kind of thing. And I guess my point is, you know what, we just, these are just things that we use, right? We have lights all over the place, lights in the garden, lights under cupboards, lights in cupboards, lights on top of cupboards, lights in the loft, whatever it might be. We just, light is kind of like a, we just take it for granted. Salt, we use it whenever we want. But salt and light in this passage took on a way more in bigger, important, significant kind of meaning for these, for the, for the disciples and for those that were listening. And so I guess I wanted to unpack what that significance would have triggered in their mind as they heard, you are the salt, you are the light. Um, in the preparation for this, I was chatting to Abby, my wife, about this series, and I was just chatting to her about this packet of crisps that I used to get when I was a kid. They were like a packet of crisps that was just like an original flavour, but you get like a little blue envelope and you could pour the salt on. So my wife um, bought a knockoff packet, right, from Lidl. Other shops are available. And what, what I mean, this is what I mean. So in your packet of original crisps, you would get like a little blue envelope. And then depending on how much blood you want your blood pressure to rise, you would open the envelope and just pour um, the salt on, right? And then you would shake it, shake it up, you shake it up, and it would be like, really nice and salty. And I think, I want to just leave that imagery with someone, because I think that's going to be important for you, because what I'm trying to say here is that Jesus says to you, I'm using you as salt, I'm pouring you onto the world, and God wants to use you and shake things up a lot, right? And why? Because salt, when you are salt in the world, Right? When you're salt in the world, that, that salt takes on so many different characteristics. It begins to change it for God's glory. The first characteristic of salt I want to talk about, therefore the first characteristic of salt that you can be in the world, is that salt preserves. You're thinking, of course it does, I know this, right? But in those days they had no fridge, freezer or anything like that. And so when they ate some meat and they wanted to eat it again the next day, they couldn't just stick it in a fridge or a freezer. They'd have to cover it in salt, right? To cover it in salt. And... Um, the reason that is is because salt preserves, it stops the rot, doesn't it? it? Stops things from getting in, bacteria getting in, rotting it and everything else as well. And I guess my immediate challenge to you is, do you stop the rot? Do you preserve things that are good? Or are you part of that rotten process? Jesus was talking to a first century group of um, people, his disciples, and the crowds around, and there was a lot of oppression, there was a lot of suppression, there was a lot of um, rejection and slavery and social injustice as well. You know, the world was perishing. 2 Corinthians 2.15 says, For we, sorry, for we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one, we are an aroma that brings death. To the other, an aroma that brings life. Like we still live in a world that is perishing. We see it. Since lockdown, we've seen BLM, we've seen social inequality, racial inequality, gender inequality. We see all these things happening around us. We see it when people don't stand up for the right cause. We see it perhaps when you see bullying or you see uh, a relationship that is not right. You see it when there's just not um, a sense of preservation of good in the world. And Jesus says, you're the salt. You bring the goodness, bring it. I remember years ago, um, 
definitely years ago when I think something was wrong with my car, standard. Anyway, I was dating Abby at the time, who's obviously now my wife, and, um, and Richard, my father-in-law, was uh, taking me home. And I was sat in the front, and Abby was sat at the back, and we passed this guy um, who wanted to get to Fairham. He's on the side of the road, he had a cardboard um, sign with Fairham written on it, and um, so Richard's like, I'm going to pick him up. So he picked him up, I got in the back, and it was a bit weird for about five minutes, and eventually they got chatting and stuff. We took him back to the place that he was staying. I don't think it was, um, I don't think it was his house, I think he was just staying there for that time. And um, as he was about to get the car, he said to Richard, thank you so much, like, you're such a great guy, you're such a great guy. And Richard, I remember Richard sort of saying to him, you know what, if I'd left it just to me, I don't think I'd have picked you up. Like, but I just felt like Jesus would have picked you up, right? Jesus would have picked you up. And the guy went, you know what? The amount of people that just drove past me and ignored me. And uh, it's a bit like that, isn't it? Like we have the opportunity to, to stop ignoring people, to reserve what is good, to, re to give some like level of humanity, goodness back into it. And that's what God says. You are the salt. He wants to shake up humanity and you're the salt that he uses to do that. That aroma of Christ-likeness is so significant. If there's someone in your workplace that needs you to be you know, salt next to them and stand with them and to, to encourage them, whatever it might be, then do that. Be that person. Salt also has other qualities. I used to get loads and loads of mouth horses when I was a bit younger. Um, and um, before I found the, the godsend that is Bongella, I, uh, my mum first taught me to use salt on my horses. Some of you are probably already wincing at this. So the first time I ever did it, I didn't know what was about to happen. So open your mouth a little bit, bit of salt on your finger, rub it in, and then the pain, the pain is unbelievable, right? I think I was on the floor, the saliva coming out my mouth. Anyway, the point of it is that salt is an antiseptic, right? It's a cleaner. It brings healing. It promotes healing. And after a while, you see that healing come, right? And I guess that's what I want to say to you. Some of you, right now, Jesus is saying to you that you're a healer. Not necessarily always in the physical sense, but actually you're in situations right now or you can step into situations right now where you can bring the salt, you can bring healing into those situations. And sometimes the first time you do that, and you're probably already thinking that, if I bring, if I bring salt to that situation, it's going to hurt someone first. That truth is going to be painful first, you know, but actually sometimes after the pain comes the healing. So I want to encourage you, if that's you, then Jesus wants you to be salt in that way. Our mission to a hurt and lost world, right? A pained world is to bring salt, to be salt, to be healing in those situations. Last thing I want to say about salt is a bit more positive than rotting meat and ulcers is, um, <laughs> is about salt bringing out flavour. We know this, right? If you're cooking or something, you put a little bit of salt in it, it brings out the flavour. Salt enhances. You are called by Jesus as the salt to be an enhancer. You know, Tim, who was the previous associate minister guy here, awesome guy, used to say to me, I don't know if you borrowed this phrase or anything, but he used to say to me, I try and think of it like this, Tim. If I go into a room, I try and think about, oh, there you are, as opposed to here I am. You know, if it's always about us, what we can get, perhaps some of us find that, as, that we're quite insecure when we go into a new room. We don't, we don't want to stand out. Some of us have got quite big egos as well, right? We want to be seen as the best person in that room, the biggest person in that room. But actually, Jesus would go in that room and go, where are you? Where is it? Where can I bring flavour to different things, you know? It's about focusing on other people, thinking more of other people, right? 
I think that's that's a really significant thing that you can do as you bring it, begin to, to bring salt to people's lives. You, you release joy, you release confidence, you release you empower people. And it means putting them first, like I said, it means serving them. It means thinking of yourself less and thinking of others more. It means being generous, but being consistent, not just when it suits, being like that all the time. That's what salt looks like. That's what salt looks like. God's called you to enhance the world, to enhance the world of salt and as light. So I want to unfold that a little bit. I've got a, I've got a massive light bulb here. Look, taking that from, um, from the Waypoint Church um, Cafe. If you're not part of our church or you haven't been, it's one of the light bulbs. Big, isn't it? It's good. Anyway. Um, God also, Jesus, sorry, also talks about um, his disciples being the light of the world, right? And light then again would have been a precious resource. It was also a bit, almost a bit of a joke for someone to say, I'm going to light this lamp, I'm going to have this light, I'm going to put it under the bowl, like it says in the passage. Like, people would have been like, what? Why would you put a light under the bowl? That doesn't make any sense at all. It's true. Why do we do it? We'll unpack that a little bit in a minute. But that's what Jesus was saying. You're the light, let it shine. Let it shine. What I love is, other than Jesus, no one else in the Bible is called the light of the world, except for those who follow it. It's Jesus, right? Jesus follows Christians, you and I. John, John is the closest we get to someone else being called the light of the world. And in John 5, 35, it says, John is likened to a lamp that burned and gave light, but he's not called the light of the world. You are called, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are called the light of the world because you carry the light of the world. You carry that eternal light form within you. It's an unparalleled, unique, incredible honour of being a follower of Jesus Christ. And if you don't know the light of the world yet, if you don't know who Jesus is, I'd love to talk to you about it. He's an amazing guy that gave his life for you because he loves you. He died an awful death so that you could be set free from those things, right? Sin, shame, rebellion, whatever it is, so you can be in relationship with your Heavenly Father. He's given you the Holy Spirit so that your life can begin to be turned around and follow him. I'd love to talk to you about that some other time. But... And then, you know, for those of us that believe in Jesus, you have that light within you. You know when you go to a birthday, right, and you see a cake, someone lights the candle and then the match runs out. This is how I always remember it, is that the match runs out and then you have to use the first candle to set the other candles alight. And it's a bit like that. Jesus has set you alight, right? And you kind of have to, it's your job to go into the world and to, to light other people's candles. You know, because you've got the light of the world within you. Your light comes from the Lord that lives within you. So how do we let that shine? How do we let our, our light shine? What is the function of light? I want to unpack just three fun functions of light that I, will hope, I hope will really help you and encourage you as we lead, you know, as we live the Jesus way. Um, have you ever been in a power cut? When I was little, I remember being in a power cut and I'd be, I'd freak out. Like darkness, you have no reference points, there's no one around. Um, and so if you're in the house of the people though, you begin to sort of call out, Mom, Dad, like where are you? Like, I'm upstairs or whatever. And like you slowly have like a really rubbish game of Marco Polo where you're just scared all the time. Marco, but where are you? And kind of thing. And as you walk around the house trying to find other people, you bump your toe on a door, you smack your head on a, on a shelf or whatever. Um, until someone finds a torch or like a candle and then like relief starts to kind of come over you, doesn't it? And then often, it was for me anyway, for my, your dad get the fuse box, turn all the big lights, and when the big lights come back on, that's it, you've made it. Big lights are on, hope is restored. Hope is restored. And I think that's what I wanna to say to you. Jesus says you're the light of the world because you bring hope 
You can bring hope into a darkness. You carry Jesus, the hope of the world, into dark places. Um, I had a friend, I've got a friend called Steve, and we used to go to the pub a lot. Not just to drink, but just chat about life as well, and just to pray for each other and stuff. And um, often it would take us about an hour to get from the bar to the table. Not because we were drinking everything on site, hear that right? But because we would interact with the bar staff. Steve often would say, how are you doing? How's your week been? To whoever's there. And... Um, and often they would just begin to open up and, uh, and they would share life and they would share you know, their despair and stuff is difficult right now, etc. And then Steve would offer to pray for them. And sometimes they'd say, yeah, you pray now. Or sometimes we'd go back to our table and sit there and begin to pray for them from a distance, right? But what he'd always pray, what we'd always pray is hope, hope over that person, over that situation. You know, Jesus says, you're the light of the world. The Jesus way is to pray hope into situations, to pray hope over people, to bring hope to people. We used to, a couple of times we went to, um, we went to uh, West Quay in, in Portsmouth, I think it's West Quay in Portsmouth, shopping centre, and often there'd be, you know, a, a, a few people, a homeless people that'd be just sat there. And um, Steve would send me a text, let's go over and um, let's just chat with a few of them. And so we'd sit down a couple of times, you know, most of the day and buy them some food, whatever it is, bought them a sleeping bag once and stuff. Just get to know them. So many sad stories, so many sad stories. And what I found really, really, really sad was the amount of people, and often families with kids that would steer like their kids around and like don't talk to them, don't speak to them. And I think I've probably done that in the past. I remember apologizing to, to one of the homeless people and you know, I remember them saying, do you know what, it happens all the time, but just sitting with you just brings hope that we're not forgotten, that we do, we have life, we have a purpose, there is something, there's some people out there that care, you are called to bring hope, that's the light that you can bring, that is the light that you can bring. Another function of light is um, that light brings life, so yeah, in Genesis, right? Heavens and earth and stuff created. What is made first? Light. Let there be light, day one. Let there be light. In, cre in the creation account, light precedes life. It gives a platform that provides life. My garden right now needs a massive haircut, right? Everything is growing all over the place because it's just got loads and loads of light. And uh, at the beginning of lockdown, I, I cut it, but I kind of lost, I guess, um, the rhythm of it, I suppose, and it's, it's just overgrown. Light just brings life, doesn't it? It brings life, it enables things to grow. Do you bring life to people? Do you bring that light that brings life to people? When people are with you, do they feel taller? Do they feel more confident? Do they feel empowered? Do they feel better? They feel ready to go. One of my privileges, I guess, um, as you know, previously as I was working with a lot of young people was to be able to walk with them, to, to cry with them at times, to, to celebrate with them at other times. And one of the main privileges was to, was to bring light to their situations. And that light often brought life. You saw people begin to grow and get more confident and, 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 to really, and to reach their potential. It was amazing to do that. Jesus says to you as the light of the world, bring life to situations, bring light to situations. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Jesus turns to you and me and says, you've got the light that leads to life. Share it with the other people in your life. 
Do our words and our actions, the wisdom that we bring to people, is it light that brings life? Last thing on light. We take lights for granted, don't we? You know, I said to you earlier, we have them in different cupboards. We have them in the cupboard, on top of the cupboard, underneath the cupboard, in the garden. Big light, little light, whatever. Um, you know, I said as well that Jesus is a bit of a joke for them to hear that you would put a lamp, a lit lamp under a bowl. It just doesn't make sense to them. Um, I was reminded of an old joke recently by Keith. I was chatting to Keith. And it was a joke that my dad taught me years and years ago. It says, Doctor, Doctor, I feel like a moth. And the, uh, the doctor says, I think you need a psychiatrist. And, and the man goes, oh, no. Um, but I saw your light was on, right? Hopefully you got that. Light attracts. It attracts like moths to a light, right? It attracts. Your light should attract. The light Jesus has given to you should attract others to you. And I want to finish, I guess, by saying this. It's not easy, right? This, this Jesus way is not easy. It can be a hard call. It takes risk. It takes, you know, the previous verses, right? Two verses before verse 13, persecution, ridicule, insult. Jesus knew it would not be easy to live this way, to be this kind of influence, to be salt and light. It means there's going to be situations that are difficult. And we have many reasons why we want to hide our light, why we want to, why we lose our saltiness. I get it, right? I get it. I remember chatting to a young person about this years ago, and they were saying, I don't really know how to, I struggle to know, you know, what to say or how to shine my light. And I said, it's got to start with you. It's got to start with where you're at. Are you plugged in, right? This bulb, it's just a bulb. We're just, we're just bulbs, right? If we're not plugged into the source, we're not listening to the words, taking it in, dwelling on it. If we're not worshipping, if we're not praying, we're not spending time with God, then we're just a bulb, right? We need to be plugged into the source. Then as you are plugged into the source, that light will begin to shine brighter and brighter. That's one way it can be easier to be the salt and light in the, in the world. But you need to be connected to the source to do that. Sometimes we're like, I just feel inadequate. I'm not Tim. I'm not that Steve guy you spoke about. I'm not qualified. I want to encourage you. It's Christ that qualifies you. He's already given you what you need. He's given you the Holy Spirit. You know, we have a spirit of, of power, of love, self-control, not a spirit of fear. I get it. Often we can, we can do the rejection for, for us, right? If I start being like that, though, Jim, if I start saying that stuff, People are going to think, oh, I'm weird. People are going to think, what, you're too Jesus-y, right? I get it. I get it. I want to talk about really quickly one of my, one of my spiritual role models, my mum. <laughs> She's awesome. She's also annoying, right? She doesn't stop loving Jesus. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. I'm sure some people think of it in a bad way, but my mum is so salty for Jesus, right? And when you leave a conversation with her, and I'm sure you must know people that are like this yourselves, like you're just thirsty. You're just thirsty, right? You just feel, ah, oh, I need to have a drink. The more salt you are, the thirstier you get, right? The more salty that you are, the thirstier the people around you will go, what have you got? You're making me thirsty. John 4.14 says, whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water 
welling up to eternal life. You know, the aim of being salt and light, light, light is that we, we create this like desire that we're, people are attracted to us for what we've got. They're like, they're thirsty for what we have. You know, we are to be called to join this international mission. International mission, you've got a branch of it somewhere. Whatever your branch is in the, in the community, in the world, you are called to be salt and light in that international mission. The Jesus way starts often for some of us with reconnection with him. The source, you know, to get back to being salty again, to get back to, to, to kind of being in connection with him, the word to get to know him again, to worship him and pray again. And then I want to ask some of others of you, who are the crowd around you? Like right, like in the passage, who is listening, who is looking in on your life? Not necessarily judging you, but just observing you. How are you, how are you bringing salt and light in those moments? Who is it that's listening to you, that's looking at you? What difference do you bring? Do you preserve what is good? Do you bring healing? Do you bring out good flavours in others? Do you bring hope? Do you bring life? Ultimately, do you attract others to Jesus? As you do these things, Jesus will do a new thing in you, right? He'll do a new thing in people around you as well. You'll be living the Jesus way. And then ultimately, like I said in that last verse in that passage we looked at today, as we do those things, we'll be glorifying our Father in heaven which is the purpose. I just want to pray. I want to pray. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you are the light of the world and you place yourself in us. Thank you that we do not do this on our own. This call to be salt and light is given with a deposit, the promise of the Holy Spirit to help us as we go. Lord, help some of us to reconnect with you to get salty again, to reconnect as a light bulb words, Father, with you. Would you increase your power in us? Lord, as there's people in our lives right now that we can think about the crowd, if you like, that are looking in, that have access to what it is that we have. Lord, help us to not hide it. Yeah, it's nerve-wracking, it's worrying, we might be ridiculed and people might, whatever it is, but we've got things that we can bring that the world needs. Healing, hope, preservation of what is good. Lord, we want to be a people that can, that can stand confidently for you. We want to join that mission to bring your name, Jesus, to, to the world. Help us to do that. Help us to live the Jesus way. Help us to be bold. Think about those people right now that we want to be bold with. Jesus, we hold them up to you. And we make an agreement in front of you and we say, that's it, I'm going to be salt and light in that person, with that person, to that person, in that situation. Thank you, Jesus. As we do that, you will continue to shape us and transform us. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. Um, pray that you have a great uh, week. Please keep chatting about it. It's an ongoing thing, right? Walking with Jesus. Please keep talking about sharing good things as well. It'd be great to hear from you. Take care. See you soon. Bye.